This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's go to John chapter 20, verse 21, real quick. Because that is definitely a scripture that I would love for you guys to have in your notes and to maybe write down there in, in, in your notes. John chapter 20, verse 21. If you're in Matthew, go to, to the right. You're going to run Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I like that part. As the Father has sent me. I also send you. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence that we've already felt in in this place. And we just ask you, God, that you'd speak into our hearts, speak into our lives. God, unsettle us this morning and and, um, just make us, help us to capture your vision this morning and help us to run with your vision to fulfill the cause of, of the church and as of, of our lives as individuals, God, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. 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 Missions is what we're talking about this morning. And missions is something that is very, very, very close to my heart. Uh, my grandfather, my mom's father, uh, was a missionary. He dedicated several years of his life. Uh, to the missions field. Matter of fact, if my grandfather would not have been a missionary, I probably would not exist. My grandfather was a missionary, white man. I mean, white as you can be. Dude was like six foot four or five, big dude. And uh, Harley, well, when he started, he didn't speak any Spanish at all. Um, but he goes down to Mexico. And he was, you want to talk about a blended family and a Brady Bunch. There were 16 of them, uh, kids, yeah, that he was lugging around. And he takes them all to Mexico. Crazy man. But he takes them all to Mexico. And uh, he's working and building churches. Um, The name of the organization that he helped build and and helped fund was uh, Sierra Madre, uh, which is there in the the hills of Chihuahua, which is a state where I I am from. And... uh, He was there preaching at a church, preaching a revival, and uh, some 19-year-old kid shows up, sees this blonde-headed, blue-eyed girl, and falls in love, and uh, apparently they start writing each other some letters, and six months later, this is crazy, I I don't recommend this at all, but six months later, my grandfather goes to my dad and says, hey, if you love her, and if you ever want to see her again, you better, you better marry her right now because we're going back to the States next week. And my dad said, I'll put a ring on her finger. And they got married six months into crazy. I think he did that to you too, Brother Troy, didn't he? Yeah. My grandpa, my, my grandpa did some good uh, uh, marriage or relationship advice. I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what I'd, I'd call it. But, but anyway, so they got married and... and 
you know, the most beautiful, wonderful, precious child to ever be born was born uh, about a year later. And that's the story of how I became, uh, you know, a person, a human being. If it wasn't for my grandfather in the missions field, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't exist. They would have never met. I mean, a girl from uh, uh, Missouri ma- marrying a guy from Chihuahua, I mean, it just wouldn't have happened. And uh, again, my grandfather dedicated so much of his life, so much of his time to the missions field. And matter of fact, um, he, he's, he passed away several years ago now, but, but the week before he passed away, or I should say the week before he got sick, he was in Mexico preaching. And, uh, and that, that's just what he loved to do, man. That's what he dedicated the later part of his life to. And um, again, missions is something that, that is very close to my heart. And uh, obviously, I was, I was able to make a trip down to Mexico just a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was great to see the people there and see the work that they're doing. But this is why missions is so important. Did you know, listen to this. I got to read it because I don't remember all the numbers. But there are 6,847 people groups around the world that are still unreached. And to be unreached means that less than 2% are Christian, the sizable proportion thought to be needed to reach their own people. So there are 6,847 people groups, nationalities or or ethnicities or whatever you want to call it, that still don't know Jesus. Less than 2% of them know who Jesus is. This means, listen to this, there are 3 billion people in the world that are unreached. Three billion people in the world that are unreached. And this means 70,000 people die every single day without ever even having the opportunity to hear about Jesus. 70,000 people die every single day without ever even having the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus, to hear and know who Jesus is and what Jesus did for them, and can do for their lives. So missions is something very, very important that we need to, um, man, we, we, we need to understand and, and, and capture this thought and run with it. I want to share with you a, a story in Luke chapter 8. And we'll start, we'll get in your notes here. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. If you're in John, just go to the left. It's the very next book to the left. Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. Then they sailed, they being Jesus and his disciples, sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons. For a long time. And he wore no clothes. The dude was completely nude. Nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, 
because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not be, that he would not command them to go in, out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine pigs was feeding there on the mountain. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them. And he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Then when he arose, when they, when those who, excuse me, when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told and told it in the city and in the country. Then they they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from when, from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. They also had seen it told. They also had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon possessed was healed. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, and this is the whole reason I read this whole story. Highlight verse 39. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. There are two basic kinds of missions. There are local missions, which would be our surrounding areas, our community, and then there are global missions. And I want to take just a little bit to talk about local missions first. And I want to say this. Every single one of us have a part to play in missions. Now, it may look different to every single one of us, but the Bible describes the church to be the body of Christ. Okay, and as the body of Christ, if we look at our bodies, every single part of our body plays a function, has a role, is useful for something, right? There's more likely no part of your body that you would be happy with just cutting off and having nothing to do with it anymore, right? You want all of your fingers, if you still got them all. You want all of your toes. You want your ears. You want your nose. You want your lips, your mouth. You know, you want every, every part of your body. And so as a body of Christ, we all have functions to play. And it's the same thing in missions. We all have a role. We all have a function to play in missions. Now, in local missions, it's very, or I'm, I'm going to say it's, it's even more simplified and easier to be involved. Number one is we let our families see the change that God has done in us. This man, Legion, as we know him, when, when, as, when he was demon-possessed, wants to follow Jesus because he just changed his entire life. The dude was running around naked, living in tombs. There's demons inside of him, and this is real life. This isn't, uh, what's that movie, crazy movies that they come out with now? The, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even want to get into that. Anyways, so 
The, the demons inside of him that had possessed him were so strong that they couldn't even bind him with shackles and with chains. They would tie him up. They'd put chains on his wrists and on his arms and on his feet. And he was the demons inside of him were so strong they would break them and he'd run off into the wilderness. And all of a sudden he meets this man named Jesus and this man changes everything for him. And because this man changed everything for him, he responds in the only way that he knows how. He says, I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to live my life with you. And Jesus responds with what? Go to your house. Go to your home. Tell your family the great things that God has done for you. You see, that's where missions begin. That's where we start at, is we start with our families. Now, I will say this. Our families are probably the most challenging to to convince or even maybe to share our faith with. Our families will probably be the first ones to criticize and to judge Anybody else with me on this? Because they saw you running around like a crazy man through the wilderness. And they saw you at your absolute worst. And more than likely, they've heard the words, I'm going to change before. So when you come back and you say, I'm changed, they may be a little bit hesitant to believe. So while your family is probably the most challenging to convince and to let see the change that God has created inside of you, they are most definitely the most rewarding once they do see the God or once they do see the change that God has done inside of you. It may take some time. And you may have to go through some criticism. And they may talk bad about you for a little bit. They may get angry at you. They may be frustrated. They may even try to be a stumbling block for you and tempt you into doing things that you used to do. But once they finally get the light bulb turned on and they realize God really has changed this person, then that is the most rewarding time and most rewarding thing that I believe that we could ever have in our lives. Once our families understand this is legit. This isn't a game that I'm playing. These aren't just words that I'm spewing out of my mouth. But God really does have a hold of my heart. And I really am changing. You with me on this? Local missions start with our families. Missions in general begins with our families. Family. That's the very first mission field we should be in is sharing with our family our faith, sharing with our families what God has done for us. The second is sharing with the community, letting the community see what God has done inside of us. Jesus tells this man, go to your house and tell them the great things that God has done for you. And as he's on his way, he doesn't just go and tell his family, but he is telling everybody who he has a chance to see. And what I love here, what I absolutely love is is that there's no shame in this. The dude was running around naked. And now that he's clothed and of a sound mind, 
He's not embarrassed to be seen by the people. You follow me on this? I've said this before, and, and, and I say it again. As, as Christians, one of the biggest mistakes that we do inside of the church is pretend that we've got it all put together. Pretend that we don't sin anymore. Pretend that we don't struggle anymore. Pretend that we've got all of the right answers. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. And what happens whenever we play this game and whenever we present this front is we are completely ashamed. Not because, not, we're not ashamed before God, but we're ashamed before our friends and before our family and before our brothers and sisters whenever we do mess up because we supposedly had it put together. Right? And we do such a good job at hiding it that everybody else believes our lies. And I love the fact that this man was not ashamed of who he used to be because of who he is now. You with me? So don't be ashamed of who you used to be because of who God is making you today. Don't be ashamed of the sins that you used to live in years ago or months ago or even days ago because of who God is making you to be today. Don't pretend, let's not act like we've got all of the answers. We don't. We mess up just like anybody else does. We have sin in our lives just like anybody else does. We, we deal and we struggle with, with all kinds of temptations in our lives just like everybody else does. And whenever we pretend that we're like this perfect person, then where is God in all of that? then there's no opportunity for them to see God. So number one, we start with our family. Let's let our family see what God has done in us. Number two, let's begin to let the community see what God has done in us. And the third thing is tell others what God can do for you, for them. Share with others. Let This is why it's so important to share your story with people. This is why it's so important to not be ashamed and hide everything from the past. Share with others and let people know, I dealt with the same issues that you deal with today. And this is what God did for me, and this is what God can do for you. We don't pretend, again, that we've got it all put together, because if we do, then we don't need God. We understand and we acknowledge that we need God. We need a Savior. And we share with others what God has done for me, He can do for you. You with me? That's where missions begin. That's where local missions begin. It begins with our family. Letting them see what God is doing in us. And then we let our community and our friends and our coworkers see what God has done in us. And then we tell others what God can do for them. Let's go to Acts chapter uh, chapter 13. We'll talk a little bit about global missions. Now global missions, what I'm calling global missions is going to be outside of our surrounding community. It can be statewide, it can be nationally, or it can be internationally. But here's a great story of, of one of the very first, probably uh, as far as I know anyways, the very first time that a church actually sent Men out to be missionaries. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. If you were in Luke, go to the right. You'll hit John, then you'll hit Acts. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church, 
That was at Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who, had, who was called uh, Niger, Lushes of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up the Tetrarch, and Saul. They ministered. Anyways, now separate as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Highlight verse 3. So being sent away by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from where they sailed to Cyprus, and when they had arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jew, they, Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Highlight the second part of verse 2. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I'm good. Thank you, sir. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So, again, with global missions, the very first thing that we have to do is we have to understand and we have to accept the calling in global missions. Now, not everyone, this is where it, we have to be a little bit careful. Not everyone is called to actually go out into global missions. Okay, the Bible in, in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, verse 11 through 16, I believe, says that some have been called to missions, some have been called to apostles, some teachers, some pastors. Anyways, so not everyone... Not every single one of us are going to be called into the mission field and, and are going to go preach in churches and going to, you know, that's not for everyone. But again, like I said at the beginning, we all do have a role. So we understand and we accept the calling that we do have in our lives. And that calling, again, for you is probably going to be very different than what it is for me. I know for some of you, you guys don't understand and, and probably aren't really on board with all of this, and you're not going to feel as passionate about it as what I do. Because again, this is a big, big part of my life. Um, and for me, every time I'm out in, in the mission field, I'm definitely thinking of my grandfather and of my family and just of my heritage, my, my family roots. Um, and, I, and I understand not everyone has that. So my calling is going to be different from your calling. But again, as the body of Christ, we all do have a role to play. The second part of global missions is the preparation. As we prepare for the field, we prepare for the calling, we prepare for the mission. Now here they prepared by praying and by fasting and by laying hands on these men, on Saul and Barnabas. And they, and they took time to pray with him and pray over him and ensure that this is what God wanting them to, wanted them to do. As a church, as a whole, collectively, this is what we do to prepare for the missions. Is one, we establish relationships. We have relationships and I have very good friends and I get phone calls or I get emails every now and then. And I pre- sometimes I present them to you. Sometimes it's something small and it's easy and we already have a little bit set aside and I'm able to just write a check and send it their way. But we have relationships as a church collectively. We have relationships with people that are in that field, that are in the missions field. 
And uh, they reach out to me again and they say, EJ, this is what we've got going on and this is what we need. And sometimes, like we did just a few months ago, I present it to you and I say, this is what is needed. This is how much is needed. This is how much I believe we can do or this is how much I would like to do. And we pray about it and we give. And we're able to send money to build a, a or to put on a roof at a church that is the mother church and down, down in chapel that is the mother church to 21 other churches. Incredible, man. This is, this is great stuff. This is like make a movie about it type stuff, man. This is really, really cool. And so through those rela- relationships, we prepare for the missions field. Another thing that we do here as a church is we set aside money every single Sunday. 10% of what you give every single Sunday of every dime of every dollar that you give, 10% of it is automatically set aside. And we put it into Praise Simple Inc., a missions account. And out of that account, we are able to help fund several projects in the missions field. And through our church and through our giving, we haven't only been in the United States, but we have been in Mexico, we have been in Guatemala, we have been in Egypt, we have been in Turkey, we have been in Belize. We, man, we've been in several different countries and, and we never even left this county. But because of the preparation beforehand, when needs arise and when opportunities present themselves, we are able to give. and We are able to have an impact. Are you guys with me? So preparation as a church looks like that. Again, it looks like relationships that we've set uh, established, and it looks like money that we've set apart. Preparation for you as an individual, well, that's just going to depend on what your calling is. Maybe for you, maybe you are you love to pray, and you and you love to pray for people. Maybe that's part of your calling. As you pray with people, and you pray over people, and you pray over projects, and you pray over ministries, maybe that's what your part in this missionary field is. Or maybe for you, maybe God has placed a burden on your heart, and 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 you want to be a part of stuff like like what Mary has been doing with the clothes, and as we're beginning to organize now for this summer to give clothes away to all of those that are in need. Maybe God has placed something like that in your heart and that's part of your preparation. That's part of your giving is is working in that area. Or maybe Maybe for you, you have a great job and you've done well financially and you're able to set aside a little bit of money every week or each month or even every year or whatever because you can, you have the ability to have a large impact to give and be a big impact on a project or in the mission field or in a, on a ministry. Whatever it looks like for you. I don't know. Obviously, you know, I'm not living your life and I'm not God to speak to you and tell you what your role is. But whatever it looks like for you, I encourage you prepare for it. Because listen, this is so important, guys. This this can't just be one of those messages that we hear and we just keep on going along. Again, there are 70,000 people that die every single day without ever knowing or hearing the name of Jesus. Now, just, just honestly, honestly, how can we sit here and be comfortable with that? How can we sit here and be okay with that? That really should eat at us. That really should gnaw at us. 
And I'm not trying to convict anyone. I, I pray that the Holy Spirit does that. But we should take time and we should prepare for the missions. Whatever your part is, I just want to encourage you to prepare for it. Maybe you're a great prayer. Pray. Set aside some time and pray for specific projects, specific ministries. Maybe you have a burden on your heart. Maybe you have something in your heart, a project or, or, or a way to, to impact people that are in need. Then get involved and do it. Or maybe you are financially able. I, I encourage you, set aside some money, some finances every week, every month, every year, whatever it may be. And let's have an impact on the ministry and in the mission field. And the third thing is, as they prayed for them, and as they were fasting for them, what they were doing is they were empowering them to go. Not only were they preparing for the mission field, but they saw these men who had a heart for God, who had a heart to to share the gospel and share Jesus with others. And they understood they are going to have a worthy work. What they are doing is for the kingdom of God and it is worthy of us empowering them. That's the third part of global missions. If you're not able to go, let's empower somebody else to go. If you're not able to be there, if you're not called, if you're not called to preach, please don't try to preach. Some of you are like, then what the heck are you doing up there, EJ? If you're not called to do something, don't try to do it. And let's empower somebody else to do it. That's one of the greatest lessons that I learned on my trip down there this last time. It's how uh, Juan Berrios has done a great job of just coming alongside of guys, of men that are already doing something special, that, that, are doing, that are going to get it done with or without our help. And all we do is we're able to come alongside them and say, hey, we want to give you a good push. We want to empower you to do what you're already doing a little bit better, a little bit easier, and a little bit faster. That's where I see us as a church. I see us as a church being able to empower those that are already doing a great job, that are already working so hard, that are already reaching and building churches. I see us as a church being able to come alongside them and just say, let us help you move along just a little bit faster. Let us help you get your tasks done just a little bit easier. Man, I think if we can do that, that would be fantastic. And I shared with you guys, uh, it was in September, I believe, when Juan came. And Juan asked, and he, he, just, he just said it, and he said it jokingly before the church. But he said, all we need is a $10,000 check that I believe EJ is going to write me this morning. And everybody laughed, and it was funny. But I told you guys that morning, I said, I look forward to the day when that's not a joke. And I believe that we can, listen, we can, even here in Granite, Arkansas, we can be that church that really empowers people to just do what they're already doing better. I, wanna, I just want to say 
that I, I'm so honored and I'm so thankful that you guys would trust us in these areas. And I want you to know that I'm very careful with who we give to. I don't, listen, I don't give to lazy missionaries. I don't. I don't give to missionaries that have never had a job. I'm just not going to do that, man. I don't give to people that are just sitting back waiting for a handout. I don't do that. We give the people that I have relationship with that I know they're doing something. If I call them at 10 o'clock in the morning and I can tell they're still asleep, trust me, they're not getting any TRC money. We don't give to lazy people. We We don't give to unworthy projects. We give to people that are making a difference in this world. We give the people that are reaching their communities and their areas with the gospel of Jesus. And I just want to thank you for your trust in that area. And I want to encourage you to prepare in whatever way you need to, whatever your part is, praying, fasting, um, giving, or going and doing and being involved, whatever your calling is, I want to encourage you to prepare. You know, I just want to leave you with this. We as Christians, let me read it because I don't want to mess it up. Where is it? Christians, we as Christians, we make up 33% of the world's population. So about a third. But a third of the population, we as Christians, we receive 53% of the world's annual income. That's incredible. And I say again, I believe that that is God blessing his people. Would you agree with that? I mean, the Bible says over and over that God wants to bless his people. And I believe that's what it, that is. 33% of the world's population receiving 53% of the world's annual income. That is God blessing his people. But here's the sad part. Is we, sin, we spend 98% of it on ourselves. 98% of it is spent on ourselves. Now, it's God's will to bless his people. But you guys have heard me say this over and over again. God does not bless us just for us, right? If God blesses me, he doesn't bless me just for me. But he blesses me so that I can be a blessing to others, right? So it's 33% of the world's population receives 53% of the annual, of the annual income of the world. And we spend 98% of it on ourselves. That is not God's will. It's his will to bless us. But it's not his will for us to spend it all on ourselves. The average Christian in the United States gives one penny a day to global missions. One penny a day to global missions. That's $3.65 a year. That as an average Christian, we give to empower those who are doing a worthy work. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're giving here and if you're giving tithes and if you're giving offerings, again, 10% of every dollar that you give is going straight into the mission field. So if you give give $10 a week, you're already ahead of that number. 
But I do want to encourage you, whatever you have to do, let's prepare. And in our lifetime, wouldn't it be amazing if in our lifetime we could see that number go from 70,000 people dying every single day without Jesus, if we could just see it cut to 50,000. I'd be 20,000 people a day more that hear the gospel of Jesus. Would that not be incredible? If in, if in our lifetime, through our giving, through our generosity, through our preparation, and through our work in the missions, we could impact that many people. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com. Thank you.